Human and Social Psychology. He has worked with TCI America, Boston-based, as an independent contractor, doing community development programs with the TNT. Guyana, sorry, TNT, Grenada, Dominica, and St. Lucia Police Service, as well as the Jamaican Fire Service, Dominica Fire Service, and the St. Lucia Olympic Committee. His hobbies are music, writing, traveling, and meeting people. Lion Andy is married to his partner in service, Ina. He is also a father of three and a grandfather of four. He doesn't look like a grandfather, does he? His greatest desire is to share with the world his blessings from creation and add value to over 300 million lives in his lifetime. Fellow Lions guests, please welcome our presenter for our first workshop, Kindness and Charity, Impact on the Receiver and Giver, our presenter, Lion Andy Charles. Good morning and thank you very much, Lion Jean, for that introduction. And I say a pleasant good morning as well to Council Chair Lion Denise Bentick and all other distinguished lions in the audience and our fellow Leos as well and whoever is present at this time for this presentation. It is a great delight for me to share this information with you and I want to inform you that it will be coming from my heart. It will be basically for a period of 90 minutes I will take 60 minutes for my presentation and after which we'll have about half an hour for the panelists to do a discussion based on the information presented in my presentation. There will be some historical content, some religious content as well, but all in keeping with the theme, kindness and charity and the effects on the giver and the receiver. Again, I say thank you. I want to share my screen with you now as we get into the mood and I want to sort of prep us, if I can use that term, with an opening song, maybe not all of it, but it sort of sets the tone for what we are going to share with regards to kindness and charity, understanding that we must be there for each other despite the times that we're living and despite the challenges that we face personally in our lives. You all must remember this classic, Lean On Me, Bill Withers. Music they say suits the soul. See the message in the song. Not hearing. Check the volume. Right up. Are you sharing your sound? Yeah, you're not hearing it. Nope, not hearing. It's playing. Let me just see what's happening here. Okay. You hearing it now? No line, Andy. We're not. Okay. Let's leave the song out for the moment. I think, I think Lion Andy, being a good singer, should sing the song. <laughs> Very good point. Hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. Let me just, okay. 
I go back to the top. Okay. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that things always do more. me. When you're, when you're not, not strong, strong, and I'll be, I'll be your, your friend, I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. You just please swallow your pride. If I have things you need to borrow for, no one can feel those of your needs that you won't let show. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody. To lean on, I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Okay, great. So I just wanted to get that song out so that we can have an idea of what we are looking at. Get the spirit, get the feeling in, and then stay tuned for the presentation. So I'm going to have to share my screen again. Uh, PowerPoint presentation here. Bear with me. Okay, great. So kindness and charity is the team. And I said in the context of lionism, and the associated impact on both the giver and the receiver. Of course, I am Lion Andy Charles. I looked like this several years ago. It's Alliance Project and Alliance uh, 42nd Multiple District Convention. And today is the 21st of May. It's the motivational session. I want to access a question but before I do so let's take a look at the agenda I hope to present it in this manner bearing we have the time topic one the history of kindness behind everything that we focus on behind everything that we study behind everything that we are praised there's always a history a reason and a meaning for it being something that we now are accustomed to a reality in our lives and history of kindness is important the history of charity as well impact on the giver, impact on the receiver. And we're going to have a discourse at the end. I just want to look at these pictures here because they mirror in essence the things that we are supposed to do as our international motto says, we serve and therefore if we are going to render service, 
There should always be kindness and charity coming out of our veins as if it's in our DNA, so to speak. The question is, and I want us to look at this question mostly coming to the end of my presentation, more so in uh, the discussion with the panel. Should lions be expected to render service with compassion or just show up for projects? Let me repeat that. Should lions be expected to render service with compassion or just show up for projects? Something to tickle your thoughts indeed. Now, it says here that every act of kindness is charity from the Prophet Muhammad. I'm not going to try to render anything to propose any propaganda on behalf of religion, but I'm just doing this in the nature of inclusivity. Before I get into the actual presentation, I want to share a story with us. And the story is called Mark's Story. And you will see why I entitled it Mark's Story. The story is being told by this gentleman whose name is David Essel. David Essel is a world-renowned speaker, author, life and development coach, and someone who deals with kindness and charity on a daily basis because he inspires people to live a better life, to find their purpose and their meaning and their destinies and to seek fulfillment from the things that they are blessed to do as far as their career and life choices are concerned. David Essel recently appeared on my podcast and he was telling me a story about an individual by the name of Mark. Now Mark is an individual that is homeless and lives under a bridge. He has no family, he has no job, and of course he has no fixed place of dwelling. And so David would say after jogging past this individual for over a specific period of time, one day he met the individual and the individual asked him, Sir, can you please give me something? And he was searching in his pocket for something and he realized that he did not have anything in his pocket. He was not even prepared to buy anything because he was just out jogging, trying to maintain his health and that balance in his life. And what ensued was that he developed a relationship with this individual by the name of Mark, this homeless guy. And on one particular day, he stopped to have a conversation with Mark. And during the conversation, Mark asked him again if he had anything to offer. And of course, at this time, David had something in his pocket. And as far as he was concerned, it was a $1 bill. So he took out the $1 bill as far as he is concerned, and he gave it to Mark. And Mark said, thank you, sir. You will be blessed. What happened is that when Mark looked at the note in his hand, it was not a $1 bill, it was a $5 bill. And David realizing that he had given him a $5, he said, I did not even know it was a $5 bill I had. I thought it was a $1 bill, but you can have it anyway. And the homeless guy, Mark said, look, since you're giving me a $5 bill, I want to give you something in return for your $5, something that is valuable for your $5. And David looked at him and said, but what can you possibly give me? I have everything that I need. 
You're a homeless man. How could you give me something $5 worth? And he said, listen, I am very good at making up stories. So let me tell you a story for your $5 and then you can be on your way. It would only take five minutes and he gave him the five minutes. And he said, the story is about a rock. He said, this rock was found lying in the desert by a river all by itself trying to figure out what its purpose was. And the rock was very frustrated because the rock couldn't find out what its purpose was for. All it knew is that it was just lying there. And then a time came, it began to pray that it would find out its purpose. And one day it heard footsteps and realized that a young man had taken the rock up. And the rock said, wow, Maybe it's my purpose to be in the hand of a young man. And then he found himself going wrong and wrong and wrong in a cloth-like material. And he said, wow, maybe it is my purpose to go wrong and wrong from this young man's hand. And then he found himself flying through the air. And it was fascinating. And then he hit something with such a force that that something fell to the ground in a thunderous song as if it was earthquake. And suddenly the rock realized that there were a whole lot of people running around and shouting and celebrating victory because the rock was the rock that David had used to fell the Philistine giant by the name of Goliath. So the rock realized infinitely, this is my purpose. And you're wondering, what does the story have with the giving and the receiving and kindness and charity? Well, let me put it to you this way. When David gave that individual the $5, it was a kind act of charity. Because this individual was homeless. But the individual decided that the impact it had on his life at that time was enough for him to give back something in return. I hope we get that. So let's understand what's happening. The human body has the ability to produce certain chemicals and the chemicals that produces in our bodies, the good feelings are called endorphins. The one that encourages us to build relationship and to reach out to people is called oxytocin. And so oxytocin must have moved in David's heart, David Essel's heart, that is, and mine to give this individual money. Didn't know it was $5, thought it was one. Got back a story in return. And here's the thing. When he left the individual, the homeless individual, and he went away, something about the story that the individual Mark, the homeless man, told him, began to bear witness in his spirit. He could not rest. He could not sleep. He was restless. Something was tugging at him all the time. And he was thinking, why is this story so everlasting, so fresh in my mind? It was indelibly planted there by the man in which Mark had told him. And what happened eventually is that David went on to write a bestseller because of a story that cost him $5 from a homeless individual by the name of Mark, and that was called Rockstar, finding God's purpose for your life. It became an Amazon number one bestseller. So what happened? 
David gave to Mark. Mark gave to David in return. So David was the giver. Mark was the receiver. But Mark still gave because of the effect of receiving $5 when he had expected one. And that $5, my fellow lions, went into a space of a man's imagination that he wrote a book. And that book brought him sales over $5 million. But the greater thing than that, it impacted over 50 million lives. The point of the story is simple this. You may not know what impact your giving may have on anyone. But the important thing is not thinking about the impact. It's about the state of your heart, the condition of your mind when you give to someone. It should be with some level of compassion. It should be with some level of oxytocin because eventually what is going to happen is that giving could make an impressionable difference on somebody's life. And then it can carry on with a domino effect. That person might decide to give somebody as well. Why? Because they felt that oxytocin coming from you and it made them feel good about themselves. And there was hope again in the world. So that is the foundation of my presentation, the opening salvo, as they would say. But then how did we get kindness? How did kindness come into the world? When I did the research, it says that it comes from the old English word and it's spelled K-Y-N-V-N-E-S. That is Gaelic English. You can look it up in the histories. And it means nation or produce or increase. The word is further derived from the Middle English word kindness, meaning noble deeds or courtesy. The first recorded use of the word kindness was in the 14th century. The reason why the word kindness became something that was usable at that time is because the disparity, the gap between those who had and did not have was extremely wide. And the leaders of the nations in that time decided that they needed to extend acts of kindness to the entire nation so that the nation itself could produce, so that kindness could spread among the people that were involved in the building and the production of the nation. Very interesting, very intriguing indeed. And so as a nun, kindness means the quality of being kind, gentle, and helpful. If we understand how powerful that virtuous quality is, then we'll fully be able to define our purpose as a lion. Our international president says that we must render service from the heart. I cannot imagine at any time anyone, specifically a lion, being kind and gentle, but lacking compassion. Lacking passion. It's a hard thing for me to comprehend. The Greek philosopher Aristotle, he says that kindness meant helpfulness towards someone in need not in return for anything, nor for the advantage of the helper himself, but for that of the person helped. I don't think that we could put it any other way or any better. What Aristotle was saying is that whenever 
we submit kindness as an act to anyone, whether it be a lion or a simple individual as a human being, extending kindness from one person to another. It must be extended with the intent that we are going to do something that would help this individual to promote value in their lives and make a difference because we are supposed to be the agents of the change that we need to see in the world. And so when we give kindness, it must not just be an act that is a physical connotations, but an act of something that comes with virtue from our heart because our desire is to see that someone's well-being is promoted and it's in the best interest of that person, not thinking about what we can receive in return or anything about ourselves. So it's not about us. It's about our state of mind, the condition of our heart in the process of giving in the virtue of giving, yes? And so I think about the beginnings of this organization with Melvin Jones, and I'm thinking that Melvin Jones did not begin this organization by himself. <laughs> you see, I have a picture with hands there raising up together. And the message in that is simply this, acts of kindness are more productive and more kind in mannerism and more impactful in mannerism when it's done with more hands than just one, but hands coming together. You see, when he decided to form this August organization, it was not a singular thing, but he decided to form an association of businessmen, putting their hands together and giving back in kindness to the people in the communities who were less fortunate and needy. So the hands are important. That's the message that they're giving. Also, you would see people together jumping up. And the reason why they are jumping up is because they are celebrating the very possibility of having the opportunity to give, to share, to be kind, to be charitable. How many of us as lions have that mindset that we look forward to the fact that we are not just going to do a project, but we are going to make a difference to someone's life. We want to look into that person's eyes and we want to see the glistening of hope because when they thought that all was lost and no one was looking out for them and they had to do it by themselves all alone, whether it be send their single parent child to school or take care of someone in the home of the age or clean the neighborhood or whatever it was, but somehow because the fact that lions were there to help to lend kindness, to lend the hand of charity in a humanitarian form, it made a difference in their lives. And sometimes when you look, you can see the feeling of goodness. Endorphins begin to surmise and count up and arise with goodness in their hearts because somebody took the time out to say, I care about you. Think about that. And so when we reach to that point, our hands are going to be blessed because the universe is going to say, since you are willing to plant seeds of kindness and goodness and charity into the hearts of people with the intent that you are seeking their best interests, guess what? The universe is going to bless us in return. It may not be exactly today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be even us. It could be the people that we have left in our legacy, in our heritage. But the blessing is going to come.
and soup. Benjamin Disraeli is a former PM of the United Kingdom. And he said, the greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches, but to reveal to him his own. <laughs> when I think about that, and I look at what we do as lions, what it tells us is that in giving to people, in doing good deeds, in presenting acts of kindness, in presenting acts of charity, we have an opportunity to empower them. I want us to think about that for a minute. It's not just about giving someone something, but it's about giving them the opportunity to be empowered so that maybe sometime down the road, they can help themselves as well and help others as a result of the act that has been done. Think about that for a moment. It's a teaching and it's a teaching of philanthropy. What the philanthropist does is that he takes his hard-earned money and he puts it into projects. But he also asks the people who are involved to get involved in those projects as well. So he provides the finances and they provides the other resources, maybe the manpower, the technology, the engineering skills, whatever it might be, but it's always a combination of those things going together. That may not always be practical and realistic in our projects that we're doing, but we shall always look for the opportunity to empower people, to embrace the opportunity to teach them the things that they can do to help themselves. When we do that, the power of our giving and our charitable acts becomes substantially exponential. It will increase with value in their lives. Why am I saying that? The desire to promote the welfare of others and I want us to think about this for a moment. Expressed especially by the generous donation of money to good causes. That's what the philanthropist does. Now, here's the thing. The reason why I say that is because I remember an old saying and it says, Give a man a fish <laughs> and he will eat for the day. Teach him how to fish and he can feed his family for life. There is power in that. And we need to find a way to incorporate that in what we do so that it becomes something of greater value to the peoples whose lives we give acts of kindness and charity to. The word charity comes from the Latin noun caritas, which is derived from the adjective caros, meaning there. It originally meant Christian love of your fellow human beings and only started to be applied to organizations that help others in the late 18th century. That's a long time ago. And so it is important to understand that it was first said by Sir Thomas Brown, a gentleman of sorts. And when he used it the first time, it was published in Regilio Medici in 1642. He says, charity begins at home, is the voice of the world, yet is every man his greatest enemy. I want to for a minute tell you what he meant by that. We're all familiar with the term charity begins at home. And in this aspect, you consider home 
not just from the place that you dwell, but from your home club, from the organization that you represent. Consider that as your home. And it says that charity begins at home. But consider this. Consider the home as your heart. And consider that you have a heart that is charitable because you're involved in an organization that purports charity as its name says, its logo we serve. He says it is the voice of the world. There will always be a need for charity in the world wherever we go. And we have a situation right now in Ukraine that's heartbreaking. And when we think about it, some of us may have even put ourselves in the shoes of those who are experiencing that dread displacement of their normalcy of lives and trying to figure out where do we go from here. They certainly are in need of charity. But he said, yet is every man his greatest enemy. And the reason why he said that is because some persons have purported charity for things to put upon themselves and for the headlines and for people to say, see, look at the many good things that he or she is doing. They must have a charitable heart. But the one that who judges the creator of the universe is the one that has the right picture, the right understanding. And so what we have to understand is that when we give charity, it must come from the heart. When it comes from the heart, the seed that we're going to sow in the lives of those who receive can bring about rich rewards. Remember the story I told you in the opening with David Essel. He gave, thinking it was a dollar, it was five dollars, but he gave freely from his heart, intending to help that homeless person, Mark. And look what happened after, that domino effect. Millions of lives were touched as a result of one kind act of charity. Let us not make it our enemy. Let us examine ourselves in retrospection and look at the situation in our heart, the condition of our mind when we stretch forth our hands and we use our resources to give and to share in an act of charity. Let's understand how important it is to have the right mindset, to, right, to have the state of mind that says, I care, I love, I am okay and you are also okay. You are good enough. You are belong. You are telling somebody that they are important just as you think of yourself. Don't let it become your greatest enemy. It will not serve you well. And so as we move forward, I want us to understand that we have the opportunity every day of our lives to make the difference in the lives of many. And I want to tell us again another story. And this is wait, about wait. a doctor. This story is about a physician. I'm going to stop screen share for a while. And I'm going to tell you about this physician. This is a very emotional and moving story. The physician is someone who is an experienced and qualified individual in trauma medical attention. And what that means is simply this. When the time comes for someone to operate on those who are victims of a critical accident nature, whether it be 
accidental or otherwise, whether it be traffic, natural causes, whatever the cause was, when you came to emergency surgery, this is the individual that everyone would turn to because he was the specialist. And so one day while he was on duty, he got a call and he took the call and it was the saddest news that he had heard in his life. He was told that the only son he had, a son that was between 14 to 15 years of age, had been in a terrible accident on the freeway and had died. Immediately his heart sunk because he realized that his pride and joy, the very individual that he lived for, that he sacrificed all his time and his commitment and his expertise for was now gone, no longer there. And the most terrible part of it is that he did not have the opportunity to even operate on his son to make an attempt to save his life. And the day came that the funeral had to be conducted and still hurting and still trying to understand what was happening with him he decided to bury his son after a little while. So he took the time off and he went to bury his son. At the funeral, friends and families and some colleagues were there to support him and he appreciated that. But in the middle of burying his son, he never took his pager off. He was paged. And the information that he received was that there was a terrible accident and there was one victim in that accident. That victim was a young man between 14 and 15 years of age. I want you to imagine for a moment if you were that doctor, how you would have felt to know that you are in the middle of burying your only son and then because of your profession, because of your ability, because of your expertise, a message comes telling you that a young man, the same age as your son, has been involved in a terrible accident and now needs you to save his life. You know what happened? The doctor thought about it for a moment and he decided I have lost my son that is already gone he's not going to come back but if I can just do this one act and bring the reality of hope to someone else a parent like myself because this could be their only son then it would be worth it and so he told those who were in the funeral ceremony Excuse him. He explained the situation to tell him, go ahead. When he arrived at the hospital in the emergency department that he was the head of, the father of the young man who had been in the accident started to abuse him. <laughs> started to tell him all kinds of things. What took you so long? Don't you know it's my only son? What kind of doctor are you? Don't you have any compassion? And he was actually preventing him from going into the OR. And he said to him, sir, let me tell you something. At this moment, if you speak less, 
and stop being in my way, I will have more time to go into the OR and possibly save your son. So the father realizing he was in the wrong, he pulled aside and he allowed the doctor to go through. Sure enough, because of his expertise and the timing, the surgery was successful. And he left the head nurse and some other colleagues in charge. And he said, if anything happens again that you can't handle, don't hesitate to call me. But I think he will have a full recovery. Now here's this. On the way out, he met the man again because he had to go back to finish burying his son. Think about this for a moment. And the father was saying to him, Doc, I need for you to tell me what is going on. Where are your bedside manners? Can't you talk to me? Tell me something because he realized the doctor was leaving without saying anything. He was in a hurry. And so he said to him, the doctor said to the father, listen to the head nurse. She's going to tell you what you need to do. And he left. But he was trying to hold back the tears that he was feeling coming out of his eyes at the moment as he hurried back to finish burying his son. And the headness came to the father and said to him, maybe you don't understand what is happening, but that doctor you just abused, that doctor you just confronted, is the same doctor who had to leave the funeral of his son, same age as yours, and come and do the emergency surgery to save your son because he thought it was the best thing to do at the time. The father felt stricken, he felt old, he felt nauseous, he felt miserable. And he begged the head nurse, give me his number. I need to call him, I need to apologize. I need to tell him how sorry that I am for making a total fool of myself. And the nurse said, I cannot do that. And he sat down and he cried. The moral of the story is simply this. You may not be in a situation where you are comfortable with yourself. You may not be in a position where all is going well in your life. You may be in a position where you have felt the loss of things that were dear and precious to you. But even in that moment, if the opportunity comes for you to give and show an act of kindness and charity, you need to have the presence of mind to say, you know what? I cannot do anything about my circumstances. I cannot do anything about my condition. This has already taken place. This has already happened. But now I have an opportunity to still do something good that could make the difference in somebody's life. And because I am a lion and because I'm a person of empathy and I understand what this world needs, then it is my responsibility. It is my duty to do the right thing and proceed with an act that I can give to someone, even if it hurts. And that is what the doctor did. So he was the giver and the impact it had upon him was that he felt fulfilled. He felt satisfied that even though he had lost his only son, he was still able to save the life of another and give hope to that individual, even though the attitude was obnoxious. We may meet people like that sometime that do not appreciate and understand what it would cost us to use our resources to give, to show an act of kindness or an act of charity. But they are not the ones that are responsible for returning the blessing to us. The universe is. And therefore, despite what it might say in terms of their attitude 
and their mannerisms. Remember, we have the opportunity to do the right thing and we should embrace it with all that we have. Understanding that there's a greater reward when we do that which is right in the face of what appears to be wrong. Understand this even further. The father who received when he realized the conditions under which he received and he told that the doctor had left his son who had died the funeral and come to save his only son, how he felt his heart was mashed up. And sometimes the people that we give acts of kindness and charity to, they can feel that way as well. You know what two are the most greatest important things in this world? To be always thankful for life and to be always grateful for the opportunity to share what we have been blessed with. Let me tell you this. At the end of our day, what is the thing that you want to be remembered for the most? What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? What it is that you want people to say about you after you have died and gone? Because remember, it is not so much what they say in the eulogy that tells who you are, but it is what the people say at the gravesite. Sometimes they may go to a bar, a restaurant, or to the home, and they would say things, and you would hear things, and you'd wonder, wow, is that really who this individual was? Is that really who he or she was? Your legacy is the most valuable thing that stays after you are gone. It reminds people of who you are. So if that is the case, what should we do about our legacy as lions when it comes to kindness and charity, when it comes for the opportunity that we have to give? What would we most be remembered for? Would be remembered for kind acts of charity or would we be remembered for the person who had the opportunity to do something and did not do it because we thought it would cost us too much or we were too big, too important. The post that we held from an administrative perspective didn't allow us to go down and put our hands into the act of cleaning the neighborhood, cleaning the beach. It was too much for us to take five minutes out of our busy schedule to take an elderly person to the drugstore so that they can fulfill their prescriptions. Small little acts of charity and kindness we can do every day. The impact upon us is that we can receive blessings in our lives from the universe. The impact on the receiver is that we give them hope and the opportunity to understand that there is still somehow someone out there who cares, who is willing to make the difference. The greatest thing that you can do is to give someone something out of your need. You must be saying, Brother Andy, that sounds like an oxymoron. I have need and I'm gonna give someone? <laughs> Well, let me tell you a personal story as I close. I remember once I went to an outing and there was this individual who was really down and out on their luck. And they did not have food or drink. They were hurting, I could see that. 
and everybody was eating and leaving that individual out. I was single at the time and I had only bought or brought rather meal for myself and drink for myself. And we had a long day. So I was, <laughs> I was tired. I think we had done some hiking and stuff. So I was tired and I was hungry. I was thirsty. And I wanted to eat all that I have and drink all that I have and burp and feel good about myself. That would have been okay. But right before me in my presence was someone who also had a need because they could not afford a simple meal and a single drink for themselves. And I did share. And although physically I was not totally satisfied, the fact that I had was able to share out of my need to the need of someone else, that gave me the greatest level of satisfaction. And I felt endorphins coming all over and oxytocin because I was able to create and build a relationship with that individual. The moral of my story is simply this. Even if when you think that you need to satisfy yourself and there is the opportunity arises for you to give an act of kindness or charity, think about the other person's need that may be more than yours because you can always share what you have. I want to go back to the beginning. Remember I told you the story about David? After David had written the book and it became a bestseller and he literally became a millionaire and touched millions of life, helping people to find their purpose, David could not find Mark. The homeless man had mysteriously disappeared. And when I think about that, I think to myself, wow. That individual was just there for that particular purpose. You could never tell when a single act of kindness or charity on your behalf to someone else could be the changing moment in your life and the changing moment in that person's life to create a whole entire paradigm shift that something tremendous and wonderful could come out of that you have never even imagined or dreamed or thought of or envisaged because you don't control what's happening in the universe. A greater and a higher power does and they have the authority to bless us whenever they choose to. But remember, it depends on the state and the condition of our hearts and our minds when we give, when we lend a helping hand, when we support, when we say to someone, I love myself, but I also love you. And because I love you, I can give even out of my need to help you fulfill the desire of your need. You can never tell. He never found Mark, but he found success. And he helped many others achieve success as a result. Our acts of charity and kindness can have that kind of domino effect. If we understand the power of love being expressed in a manner that says to someone, I care enough so that you can be in a position that is better than the one that you are in right now. It's about 11.30.
and my hour time is up. We have half an hour in which we can come together and have that discussion. But I thank you so much for your time and the attention and the opportunity that you've given unto me to share this valuable stuff with you today. I am humbled and I'm blessed. I love you and thank you so very much. God speak to you all. Thank you very much, Lion Andy. Um, I have no doubt that um, uh, you would be in a position at this point to answer questions. Uh, it's open to the panelists, it's open to the floor, and I, I hope IT can make the, requir the requisite arrangements. Ranjan? Thank you, Lion Eldridge. Lion Andy, we have a question from District Governor Lion Gloria. And Gloria, please unmute and go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. Um, day before yesterday, I got a phone call. Uh, the son of one of my friend, um, some criminals burnt his house down and uh, he has lost everything and they have a little boy, child who is 11 years old. And with my daughter-in-law, until three o'clock this morning, we were looking in the house to get sheets, uh, towels, uh, whatever clothing we can get. And as I'm sitting here, I'm preparing to leave, to drive 250 kilometers to take what I can for him, um, for them, because as you said, um, we, the state that they are in now, they're not looking about material things, but to know that they are not alone and that there are people who are caring and thinking about them would help them to go through yeah. uh, this. And I thank you so much. and. Uh, we are lions for that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. In the chat, Lan Andy. Uh huh. Um, Lan Carol says, "My brother, you cause tears to flow, tears wow. of joy. Wow. Food for thought. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Excellent uh, presentation, Lan Andy. Blessed to be blessed." Mm. Very moving. Lots mm -hmm. of thoughts, 